I'm about that life. If you want to be about that life, connect with us on social media. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Live That Life Now, on Twitter at Live That Life 20, and at YouTube That Life. Contact us via inbox, DM, or email at livethatlifenow at gmail.com with feedback or show topic ideas. Every time we look up, we want to see you winning. Live, Live that, that life, life now. Hey, man. Sometimes it takes the bad days to appreciate the good ones. But no matter what, but you just keep winning. Just keep winning. Just keep winning. Winning. Have you ever felt like you couldn't make it? Welcome to That Life Podcast, where we discuss love and relationships, spirituality and faith, career and education, pop culture, and everything in between. We give our take on it all as we navigate the path to living that life. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome to our conversation. Today's topic is going to be about something that is very important to us, very dear to us. We're going to talk about uh, mental health awareness and the importance of it. And so today we have as a guest with us, Ms. Betsy Colvin of Anderson Clinical Services. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> and you and Hiram go back a ways. So I will let Hiram kind of talk about how the two of you, you know, came to know each other and maybe some of the, the work, the type of work that you guys have done. Yes, we met. I don't even. I don't even know what year. I know I was doing my intern, so I guess it was around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I think so. Something yeah. of that at Christian Community Health Center. That I do know. I was doing mm-hmm. my intern for uh, counseling therapy, and uh, you were there. You're currently, I believe, as a licensed clinical social worker. So there we did a, a a lot of work. It was good work. It was community work. And so it was really nice. But that's where I got my start and met Betsy. And we continued to work together. Betsy was my director is what I what I called it because I she had the, the license. And so she would help. She would uh, see a lot of clients for mm-hmm. us. But she kind of supervised the staffing. And we were a nice little small organization we we did really well and we just continued and doing many things so uh thank you for being a part of that life podcast where we every day try to get people transformed healed affirmed so they can become triumphant and so they can live that life now yes and i know that's what Anderson Clinical Services is about because that's who you are about. So, kind of in your own words, give us a little bit of your education and who you are and about your business. Sure. Um, so, I have a bachelor's in social work. And once I received that, I started to work at a private adoption agency and I did foster care for a while. So, that's kind of my start. My beginning was a foster care case manager. Um, And I feel like I learned a lot there because I encountered a whole lot of stuff Um, Mm -hmm. with foster parents, with birth parents, with kids that had gone through a lot of stuff. Um, And I decided that I needed to get my master's degree. So I went to get my master's degree 
in the midst of that. Um, and that was um, a lot of work, but I did receive <laughs> my master's degree in 2005. And that's when I started um, getting some hours to be able to get my clinical license to be able to be a therapist. Um, so that was kind of my start. And um, yes, I worked with Hiram at Christian Community Health Center for a while. Um, we had a good time there. And then um, I also worked for a couple of other agencies doing counseling. But now I recently, 2019, I just started, decided to start my own company. Right. So here I am starting. How has that company. been? How has that been with your, with your own company? I love it. Um, it has been great. Um, most of my clientele that I started with had come from the previous place that I had worked at um, out okay. in the Naperville area. So it's kind of like once a client gets used to you, they don't want to change a therapist. Yeah. Um, so they all came with me, which was really nice. So I had a basis kind of when I started my company. Um, and since then, I have gotten more clientele. Um, the pandemic kind of became a little interesting um, in regards to seeing um, my clients, but thankfully, and I thank God that I was able to do it online. So now yes. I pretty much work from home. Um, I see all my clients through telehealth um, online. So I, that is such a blessing for me. Now, you mentioned it. something interesting, sure. you know, because I was thinking you said you started your business in 2019, Correct. right? And then the pandemic happens in 2020. Yes. Did you see, you know, personally, you know, with clients and different things like that, just a change or an uptick or just anything different um, after the pandemic? You know, we, of course, we saw a lot of news articles, read stories and people talking about, you know, um, just how to deal with their mental health, you know, during the pandemic. Is that something, did you notice any changes, whether positive or negative? Um, not a, not a ton of them, but, um, I did start to see, um, the insurance company start to get a hold of me to see clients. Like I get, um, a good three or four emails a day from the insurance yeah. company saying we have this, you know, client that needs somebody to see them. Um, and you just kind of reply over email in regards to if you have room or not and are able to see them. But I see a lot of those um, now, but almost two years into the um, pandemic kind of thing. So I see a lot of those. Um, and that is very new because when I first started in 2019, I didn't see anything like that. So right. I have seen a lot more people needing help. Um, but I think people really uh, have a hard time making that initial phone call, coming to that initial session. Once they come to that first one, um, that initial session or make that initial phone call and feel comfortable, then they'll start coming more. Um, but I think there's a real um, anxiety around that part of it. <laughs> the same thing we're trying to save people from we mm -hmm. give them but even with that what do you think how you know COVID has changed our life uh, for good bad and indifferent COVID has changed our lives all of us but when it comes to counseling and therapy now you know people have that that stereotype of the couch or you laying down and you getting to tell your story and all that 
now that people can, and, and you would think it would be good for the world with all this FaceTime and, and everything that people could do in social Zoom. media and all that, yeah. just in general, how has therapy been via people can do it from their home or through their phone or through their computer? How do you think people are adjusting to that? Um, I would say at the beginning, no one really liked it that much because they wanted that face-to-face, you know, mm-hmm. in the room therapy. But um, in the past couple of years, people have started to really like it because they don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to right. leave their, the comfort of their own home to come mm-hmm. to an office where they don't know somebody um, and sit there for an hour with them. Um, right. So I've really found that people are... Um, a little bit more apt to follow through because I don't have to go anywhere, especially people that deal with anxiety, you know, because it's very anxiety provoking for a lot of people to leave their house or to come out, especially during a pandemic. Um, And my other thing was I didn't want to sit in an office with a mask on and have my client have a mask on because during therapy, a lot of it is facial expressions. Right. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see them. Like I wouldn't be able to see their face and know where they're coming from or what they're thinking. Um, their words, yes, but face, you know, facial expression is a huge facial body, nonverbal communication. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that was one of my biggest reasons why I was like, you know what, I can't do in the office right now. Even when they mm-hmm. brought it back, I and they were doing the masks, and you could see people in the office. I felt like that's not something that's going to be helpful for them or for me. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So well, um, that's what I kind of saw. Go ahead. Uh, good. That, that, that makes sense. I, I will say, you know, we do coaching, counseling. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking about it. You know, the client's first time or so, they're, they're all set up. They're trying to be all together. They're at their tables. They're at these three places. And I don't even think we've talked about this, but then you notice after session three, four, or five, they're in their bed, they're sitting up, they're comfortable, and they're so relaxed, you know, yeah. they're, they're... In the so, beginning, there's that nervousness right. or, you know, right. anxiety or the hesitation, yes. um, but then they get more relaxed and more comfortable. Yeah, and, and I like that because, and I'm saying they're, they're still dressed and everything when they're even in the bed, <laughs> but you can tell that they're, they're in, and you know, Betsy, that you could see them, as you said, they're expressing their face. Yes. They're in this safe place. Yes. Even if it's people in the house, they're in this room with the door closed, Mm -hmm. they still feel safe. And that's what we want therapy to be. We want to put people in a safe place. That's why most, if you go to any kind of clinic or any kind of therapy session, you have this zen, you know, Mm -hmm. this this safe place. Mm -hmm. And so people learn to create that. Mm-hmm. even with doing it this way, especially when they have counselors and therapists that they feel that they can work with. Right. So that's good. Do you see that as well? I do. I do. And I also always make sure that I tell the client, you know what, this is confidential. Anything yeah. we talk about in here stays in this room. It does not go anywhere. Yes. Right. Um, and I found that to like ease them almost a little bit. Like, okay, so I can, you know, especially with kids or teenagers, like you're not going to tell my mom, you're going to tell my dad what I just said. <laughs> um, it really puts them at ease. Yes. And, you know, I just tell them, hey, look, this is this is for you. This is your safe place to be able to talk about what you need to talk about. And it's completely confidential. 
Um, what so do you I think? That's huge. Good. Well, I have a question for you when you said kids, when you said kids, and you know, I, I just feel like, and I tell people all the time, and you know this, I still refer people to you, especially adolescents, young people, and especially uh, young ladies, uh, young girls, mm -hmm. eight, nine, ten. We have done so many type of uh, ages. And I think you are just so good with children. But for you, what do you think today your biggest clientele is and, and what population do you think you're serving uh, in clients? I would say more teenagers. I get a lot of teenagers and I get a lot of like young adults, like early 20s um, that I see come through that I feel like I work well with. They seem to open up to me a lot. Um, so I find that age group probably, um, the most on my clientele right now. Kids are kind of difficult to do online. I like to be able to do them in person. So I really haven't had as many kids recently. Um, cause I find kind of more hands-on stuff with them works much better. Right. Um, cause you do a lot of, no, I'm sorry. You do a lot of, uh hands-on from coloring to working with them and you're doing counseling through something books and different things and that that is really good so that does make sense I didn't even think of it like that mm -hmm. that you know that being in person yeah for the children better. right yeah it's not the not the same you you have to be creative Betsy you yeah. you know these kids are doing all of these types of games online and you got to be able to <laughs> pop up another screen while you're counseling their real talk and figure out how to engage and play uh games maybe that's something you, you or we need to create for therapy uh literally maybe. through 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 media or through the phone or through how we do it but that that does make sense because mm -hmm. you always had a lot of a lot of tools uh, but how has it been for the adolescents the adolescents usually talk more so they'll actually sit there and talk to me as long as I ask them about them and ask them questions. They'll they'll talk about themselves. They love to talk about themselves. So that <laughs> comes that kind of comes in handy in regards to therapy. So I can usually ask them questions and pull them in. Um, I have with like I have one client who is eleven. I have learned how to use videos on, online. So I share the screen with them, use the video. And then we talk about, okay, what, is, what did the video, you know, say to you? You know, and you pick videos that have to do with obeying their parents or, you know, what kind of friends should you pick? Those kind of mm -hmm. different things. So I have learned with that how to do that with her. Um, so that has become a huge thing um, with her. That's that awesome. That's so awesome. I have you, also, <laughs> you have a few tricks under your yes. sleeve. Yes. You said something very important, I think, when dealing with kids and teenagers, especially, you mentioned the trust factor yes. and just saying, you know, hey, what we talk about stays here. And I think that that the fact that when a kid feels that they can really trust you and that this is a safe place, that's when they will open up. Because yes. a lot of times what we've all seen is that kids will hold back if they, you know, if they're afraid. Sure. If they think, oh, I'm going to get in trouble or my parents are going to be disappointed or, you know, but if they know and they believe that this is a safe place, then you can generally get them to open up. We did an episode, was it last season, um, about anxiety 
and adolescence. adolescence. And that was a really popular episode. Um, Can you tell us some of the, maybe like the the top issues or concerns that you hear from adolescents um, in, in your in your experience? Um, I think anxiety is definitely a big one. Um, anxiety mm-hmm. around test taking, anxiety around the grades, um, anxiety of, you know, what will my, um, the kids around me think about who I am? Mm-hmm. Do I have to give them peer pressure? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can I be myself at school? How do I be myself at school? Um, just because they have so many things coming at them all at once. And, you know, social media has become a huge thing for them. Yes. And sometimes that can be good or bad. Um, so I think that has been kind of something that they've struggled with a lot because social media can make you feel good or bad about yourself. In mm. an um, instant, just based that. on, you know, a couple of comments. Right, right. Right. So, um, and even if, you know, you send a Snapchat and that person doesn't respond, Mm -hmm. so then there's all this anxiety around why aren't they responding? Or if it's, you Mm -hmm. know, um, someone that they like. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of different um, things that they deal with in regards to that. Um, But I think anxiety is a really big one Um, because I feel like that leads to sometimes the self-harm issues. Um, and that kind of can lead to them feeling depressed at times. Um, family issues, if they have any, you know, um, family issues that have happened at home or if, you know, because parents have to work, they're not around. Um, so they're by themselves at home, um, which can make them feel like, you know, no one cares about them, mm-hmm. um, which can cause depression or anxiety, um, depending on the situation. So there's a lot of different things that they kind of deal with as kids um, and as teenagers. So that's what I think I would say is the biggest problem. The anxiety. Wow. Mm -hmm. What are some things that, you know, what are usually some, I guess, basic signs or symptoms that parents can sort of be on the lookout if maybe, you know, their, their child is maybe we don't want to diagnose them, but maybe, <laughs> maybe dealing with anxiety. Sure, sure. Um, I would say um, isolating themselves in their room, mm-hmm. um, telling their parents, I'm fine. You know, and the parent mm-hmm. not really pushing to find out what's really going on. Um, maybe the parent not talking to the teachers at school, because if they talk to the teachers at school, they might find out more information about where the kid is at. So like almost if the parent um, is not involved as much as sometimes they need to be, mm-hmm. they kind of miss what's really going on with their kid. Um, you know, do they have their friends over? Do mm-hmm. they, you know, what are they talking about on social media? Yep. You know, what kind of things are they writing in their social media? Can tell you a whole lot of information about where they're at if they're struggling, um, if they're feeling depressed, if they're, you know, anxious about a test tomorrow. Um, so I find that if, you know, the parents really paying attention to what's going on in social media, if they're isolating themselves, if, you know, they're just not talking, something's going on. Mm. So how do you, how do you, you know, 
parents today. We're busy. Yes. They're busy. Yes. They're working. They're moving. They 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 trying to have a life themselves, even on social media, Snapchat, <laughs> and everything else. And so, so many times, parents be like, "Well, that's just how Jackie is, or that's how you know Sue is. That's they that they just you know introverts or different things." How or when should a parent? What kind of communication? What kind of skills? What what kind of things should they do to know it's okay to pry and push to you know have that conversation with that adolescent? Um, no kid's gonna want to have that conversation. I don't think no teenager, but it's kind of like you still have to kind of pull it out of them because you're the parent. You need to be the parent. You need to find out what's going on with your kid. Um, they might not appreciate it at the time because, you know, you're interrupting their social media time or you're interrupting, you know, their life. Um, but I still really think it's it's just, you just got to go and ask and you got to, you know, pull it out of them because sometimes they don't want to talk about it. But the more that you have an open communication with them, like even through text messaging, I mean, you know, you're on the run. Yes, I understand that. You know, you got all this right. going on. Asking your kid, hey, how you doing? How was school today? You know, just being involved. The more that you're asking them questions, even if they answer, you know, it was fine. Well, what did you do? You know, yes or no questions, you're not going to get any information. But if you right. ask, you know, like, well, what would you do at school today? You're going to yeah. get more information. Mm-hmm. Open-ended questions. Exactly. And don't give up. Don't just stop. Yes. I like how you say, you know, continue to ask simple things. Mm-hmm. Just how was your day? What did you do? Uh, simple things. Text, simple things. Right. Uh, even if they don't reply, acknowledge still, you know, in the afternoon, still text or call or say something. Mm-hmm. Continue to go. And so we're doing that. So you're doing that. You're doing that. You're doing that. You're doing that. Sometimes and a lot of times, parents don't realize that their child is right there on the break of depression, uh, general anxiety, or suicidal thoughts until they're there. So we're doing this texting, we're doing this talking, we're trying to get in, but we're still not getting nothing. When and how do we know we should probably, even as the parent, because this is what people have to understand also, sometimes the parent, when they're seeing this, needs counseling to help them coach through these types of things as well. They always think it's just, I got to get, my child needs help, but you need help in parenting. And parents don't really understand it. We didn't get a manual with the baby. (laughs) We we didn't get a book. We didn't get like, this is how Jan is going to be. So (laughs) if this happens, you do this. You didn't get that. So many times, and and I want to ask you, but Many times I always say the parent needs, maybe you need some counseling because sometimes you're dealing with anxiety uh, uh, around this. Mm-hmm. We see on the news and different things, young people, uh, suicide is on a high, different things are going on, uh, drugs. It, it, it's crazy what people are doing and how they're doing. So parents are worried. So with that worry, with that anxiety, they need to seek counseling. And then hopefully from there, maybe it can turn into family counseling or maybe they can get that, you know, child into a session on their own. But I always say to the parents many times, well, at least start with you. Mm-hmm. Let's see, because you're having anxiety 
over trained to parent. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, I totally agree. I think that, you know, sometimes the parents are because they're worried about what's going on. Then their kids start to worry about what's going on. So I do it kind of two ways. Um, one is if I can get the kid in there, then I make sure I meet with a family at least once a month. Um, or if I talk to like the um, parent and find out, you know, kind of what's going on with the kid. Cause I, during the first session, I always like a parent to come with the kid to make mm-hmm. sure that, cause sometimes, you know, teenagers, they don't really tell you the truth, the whole truth, you know? So I need a parent there to tell me really what's going on sometimes. Well, to tell they, you what's they, really they, going they, on. They, At is, least what they know. They tell you but, their truth. <laughs> it's called their truth. It's how they so saw it. So they're not going to tell me, oh, yeah, I'm having problems at school. You know, my mm-hmm. grades are, are not good. Um, yeah, I fight with my parents. They're not going to tell you those things. So I make sure the parent comes in at the first session to tell me, hey, what do you see? What What do you see that's going on? Um, and then usually like halfway through, then I'll meet with the kid by themselves. But I always make sure that I do like at least once a month family session. Hey, how are things changing? What's going on? Um, to see if there's, you know, something else that needs to happen. You know, sometimes I'll say to the parent, hey, it seems like, you know, your child's doing much better. Is there anything else that needs to happen? Like, and I'll make that suggestion. Do you need to come in to see me? Um, you know, how are things going with you? So, yeah. So you mentioned that that that's an interesting um, dynamic because, you know, when we first started talking about the kids and you said, oh, you know, they talk a lot. You really don't have, you know, trouble once you start seeing the kids and the teenagers, especially they'll talk. And so now as we're talking about the parents and them possibly needing to, you know, see someone themselves, have you noticed? any differences in the like generational dynamic, because we know that, you know, just historically there's been like a stigma around mental illness, mental health. And so we're starting to see a little bit, you know, people are talking about it more. We can see the tide changing a little bit, but just generational. Do you see a difference, um, you know, around, you know, as it relates to the attitudes surrounding, you know, um, discussing mental health? Um, I do. I find that if the parent is for it, the kid's usually more for it. Um, so like if their parents, um, bring them and stay with them and let them know that this is okay. And that's more so with kids, teenagers, they're going to talk if they feel comfortable. Um, but like the, I found with like older generation, there's still that stigma sitting there wow. like you know I don't, I'm not sure if I should you're a stranger I don't know you so mm-hmm. I should not really talk to you about this mm-hmm. um so unless there's something like major that happens with the older generation I've still found there's still that stigma um I do have a couple of clients like one who lost her sister so like that kind of thing they will come in for counseling and won't allow that stigma to stop them. But mm-hmm. if it's just to talk about, you know, anxiety or depression or some, you know, something in regards to that, 
it's like, no, I can handle them. Um, kind of thing. So I, I still see, um, a stigma of that on the older generation. So do you think that it's more, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, I've heard people just feel like they can handle it on their own. Mm -hmm. I've heard older people just kind of feel like, you know, almost like who has time to really just sit and talk about their feelings? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like you should just deal with that like get over it type of thing. Right. And that, you know, it's like, who really has time to deal with that? But it sounds like the younger people that you're seeing, they will freely talk. If it is once they feel comfortable, yes, they will talk. And so sounds like there's hope um, that, (laughs) that this is becoming something that is, you know, people are more comfortable with and more open and can, can allow themselves to be vulnerable. To an extent. Yes. I, I do see that much more. Um, especially with the teenagers and the young adults. Like they're definitely coming through more. Um, and feeling more comfortable when talking to somebody that's outside of everything. Um, that's not, you know, a parent, that's not a friend. It's someone that they can just, you know, talk to about anything they want to talk about. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so even with that with that stigma, you know. There's a stigma that, you know, you pray. Mm-hmm. And you pray, God will heal you. And that's true. Mm-hmm. None of us is denying that part. But uh, don't we still need? Right, right. <laughs> we right. still need. And, right. so and we the say church... this from a place of, like, talking about the church. Of course, we're very active in church. You are also active in church. But then you're also a professional. How open are church people Christians to counseling today? Um, I think I've seen more come through because yes, they know they can pray. Yes, they are a believer. Um, and yes, God can definitely heal. No doubt about it. Yes. But I feel like there's like a remnant of what they went through that they still need to work through. So yes, God has healed them from, you know, anxiety or from depression or from what, you know, whatever can be going on. But there's that hurt that's kind of left there that they need to still kind of work through, still be able to um, talk about with somebody that's a professional. Um, So I feel like people from um, the church are really understanding more and more and more how important their mental health is and how important it is to get professional help for it. I like that work through. I, I really like that, you know. Even the Bible says faith without works. Is dead. You know, so I like that work through. You should probably um patent that. <laughs> uh but work through because that's that's what we need to do and that's what the church needs to understand. Even through the healing and God is going to heal you and he's going to get you through. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. All of those good things are great. And they work, yes, they do. But I love how you said the the resonate and uh, the things that's still there. Or let me say this, and tell me what you think. And when I say this word, the triggers. Yes. You know definitely. the triggers when when people have to go back into that same place or deal with those same people. Mm-hmm. That thorn in your side. That the ones <laughs> that brought the anxiety yes. in the first place. Uh, right. 
you know, you can go to church. That's once or twice a week. You got God. That's helping. But I do believe in what you're saying is the work group helps to continue on to overcome. And as we say, become triumphant. And that way where you could see that person or go through that thing or whatever that thing triggered you, it gets to a point where it doesn't bother you. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think there is, you know, um, those triggers can be very hard to get past and to learn how to be able to handle them. And Mm -hmm. yes, um, I do believe that, you know, prayer can help in many ways. Reading your word can definitely help. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's more of what is the skill? What kind of coping skill can you use to overcome that trigger? To be able to, you know, handle it if, um, you know, the trigger is my mom yelling at me, you know, because there's something from the past that kind of, you know, set her, set that person off. Um, so it's okay, you know, let's take some deep breaths, let's come back um, and learn what skills you need in order to handle that trigger. Yeah, and I think because we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, being a believer and really understanding, it, we talked, it's similar in our forgiveness episode where you can correlate it to healing, where the Bible says, you know, Jesus said, receive your healing. You receive it, you have to continue to walk in. It's just like forgiveness. You make the decision to forgive someone, you have to make that decision every day. Because again, triggers may come. And so you've forgiven, you have to make the decision to keep going. And it's the same thing with your mental health. Once you have been healed, you want to protect that healing. You know, you don't want to go back. And so you want those coping mechanisms should a trigger arise so that you continue on on the journey, you know. And I, I think that's a big thing that people really have to understand that mental health is a journey. You know, it's something that you are constantly working on and you're making sure to take care of yourself and make it a priority. So I think that's a good thing for, you know, believers to understand. It's not saying that you have not been healed or things like that, but it's just that it's a, it's a journey. It's a work in progress and and you just want to keep at that work. So when we talk about, we talked about generational attitudes, maybe towards mental health. We talked about the church. Um, you, you've done a lot of work in the community. Yes. And so, you know, I know I've heard a lot about the stigma towards like, uh, mental health and discussing mental illness or mental health in the black community, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so how hopefully that again is getting better, but have you seen that in different communities when it comes to like racial or, you know, ethnic differences, different communities and things like that? Um, I have. Um, the one that comes to mind the most is um, Hispanic because mm-hmm. um, they are more um, stay together. You don't tell outsiders anything that's going on um, mm-hmm. and you stick with the family. Um, I have a client right now that, you know, it was a big stigma for him to come to see me because he's Hispanic and it was, you know, no, no one outside the family should know what's going on. Um, and I find that sometimes in the black community as well, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to stick together. We're going to stay with our family. We're not gonna allow outsiders to come in. What goes on in this house stays in this house. 
Yes. Oh God. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so I've I've seen it with both of those communities. Is you know you keep it in the house. You you don't let out other outsiders come in to help you in any way. You you keep it in the house. Um, I find with um, the black community, it's getting a little bit better. Like I do have, um, right now I do have clientele from the black community. So I feel like they're getting a little bit more open with it than Mm -hmm. they used to be um, as the generations go down. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Hispanic, not as much. Like I have one, one client the whole time that I've been, you know, the past four years. And even when I was at my previous place, this is the first Hispanic client that I've really had. Uh, Wow. So, yeah. So, I, I have a question for you regarding that, but I'll say before I get to that question, do you see, this is something I just thought of, do you see any differences with gender? So, men versus women? Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> women are so much more apt to come to therapy than men. Really? Yes. Because men don't want to talk about their feelings normally. Um, they, like, have a really hard time with that. So, yeah, I really. found that women are much more... Um, open to talk about their feelings. They just are. Well, Hiram just joked and said, what did you say? We don't feel. (laughs) And I guess, and then if you do, it's like I said, what I've heard from like older people where it's like, and you don't talk about it. If you do, you don't, you know, it's like, I don't want to sit and talk about my feelings. Right, exactly. So, you know, know, men don't cry. Oh, God. Stop saying that before someone listens. You talk about your feelings. Then you get all emotional and you start crying. You know, this, this is real talk. I saw this before and I was devastated. The, the little boy was, oh my God, maybe three, if that old, maybe three. And he was having a moment. He was emotional in mm-hmm. the store or whatever. And what his mama said to me really threw me. She said, man up. To the three-year-old. To the three-year-old. And I'm thinking. He's a three-year-old, a toddler. Man up. I'm thinking, I don't even know how to man up sometimes because, I mean, real because talk. Because sometimes you just need to feel it and you yeah, need to have that moment. Exactly. <laughs> I, as a as a adult man, I have failed. I have messed up. I have erred. I've made mistakes. And I'm, and I'm not talking about like, like I've seen at certain times. I don't yeah. have it. But I'm saying, I just made some bad mistakes. So did I not man up? You know what or I'm saying? Just, or you were just hurting. Or you were upset. You were uh, angry. You were yeah. frustrated. So you needed a moment. Exactly. So when when do you when do you man up? And and that's the thing. We even as men, even as men, we need to be able to get to vent. I will say that. Maybe right. that sounds better for a man. Mm-hmm. That they're able to vent. Because and I, I keep saying I'm gonna do an episode. Go to the barbershop. Yes. Men talk yeah. from the moment they come in till they get in the chair till they walk in out the door, and the conversation just continues with men. They mm-hmm. they talk, so they get in the feelings. But as we said earlier, they need that safe place, right? Because and the reason they need a safe place is because people have made men feel just like the, the mother with the three-year-old, that if you're crying, if you're having a moment, then that means you're not manning up. So that's part of what needs to change. Because you're vulnerable, because you're expressing your emotions or whatever, 
then you're suddenly not a man. I mean, that, and, and it's true. It's not just with the mother and the three-year-old. There are men, adult men, walking around feeling like, I, as a man, I cannot be vulnerable or I cannot express my feelings or let my emotions show. And so because there's that goofy correlation that if you do that, that's not the characteristic of a man. That's ridiculous. And the, and the flip side to that is for those men that cannot do that because they have something going on, uh, they really feel weak and they mm-hmm. really feel uh, lesser than. Mm-hmm. And so this is, believe because it or of not, this ridiculous a lot of, stigma. this is, people don't get it. This right. is why a lot of men leave home. A lot of men leave home from uh, white children because they feel like they have not manned up. They don't feel like they're capable and able to do to take care of this family. And so we do have to stop. We, first of all, we have to change our language. Hmm. We, have to, mm-hmm. we have to change how we talk to each other, less known our children. We, we was talking to some clients uh, in the last week or so, and we were telling people, and, and something we believe in is affirmations. And, mm-hmm. and letting people know that I appreciate you. Sure. You know, we all have some good, but I mean, we all have some bad, I should say, but there's a lot of good in us. And sometimes we don't say it. I was talking to somebody and I was like, well, you know, when's the last time you told your wife I, I, you love her? And she know I love her. I'm still here. No. <laughs> No, I don't know. You could just need a place to stay. <laughs> right. I don't know. That don't mean you. You have to have these conversations. You have to right. say these things. You, mm-hmm. you need these positive affirmations, confirmations. Right. All of these things are real. So, uh, men and women, because some women are are are, are like this too. So, uh, but I I do think I do think it's harder to get men in counseling. But I will say, once you do get a man and he does get in. You you have one. You you have a believer. Has that been your experience yes. also, Betsy? Yes. So once you actually get them in there, because I have one right now. He looks forward to it every week. And he's, yeah. <laughs> he's in his twenties, and you know the first session, we just he just felt so comfortable. And once he felt comfortable and he could you know talk to me, he's like, "You've become my little best friend." <laughs> we hear it all the time. We that, that we get that a lot. <laughs> So it's kind of like once once they get in there, once they realize what it really is and what they can do there and how they can tell somebody completely outside of their family what's going on with them and it doesn't get around the entire family, they're like, yes, I like this. This is great. Um, But you just have to get them in there and, you know, connect with them. That that is true. That and that makes it. That's what makes it exciting, especially when you see when they come in and they're kind of you know, not sure if they want to do this, even though they're going to make another session, and then by session four or five, that trust have built in. Like you say, you're yeah. their best friend. You you <laughs> they already there waiting for you. <laughs> yes. Well. I did want to get that question in. I asked about the gender differences because I thought of that. But I said prior to that, I had another question because we were talking about different uh, groups and just the stigma and things like that. And you were talking about, you know, the black community, Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, what do you think are some things that we can do to sort of 
you know, break some of these stigmas, to make people more comfortable. You know, we've seen a shift. It's getting better. It is. Um, people are more open than they were in the past. What are some things that we could all try to do just to, you know, make people more comfortable um, with just at least having the conversations? Right. And I think the biggest thing is talk about it, that it's okay. Making mm-hmm. sure people understand it's okay if you need somebody to talk to. And, you know, parents with kids, do you need somebody to talk to? It's okay to go in and talk to somebody. Um, I think every teenager can benefit from counseling because yeah. they don't want to tell their parents anything that's going on. They don't really want yes. to talk to their parents about it. You know, parents have to push, but if they know they're in counseling, they know they're getting, you know, um, good advice from somewhere from an adult and not from a kid that's, you know, the same age as them. Um, they usually feel more comfortable knowing, okay, my kid has somebody to talk to that's outside of the family, outside of everything. Um, so, you know, parents letting their kids know this is okay. It's okay if you need to go to counseling, asking them, hey, do you think it would be helpful, you know, to go to talk to somebody? Um, and the teenagers really appreciate it. And I guess for people like us to let the parents know, it's okay for you. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and, and just, the, you know, older generation too, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you find a lot of, you know, older individuals, they're walking around with a lot of um, hurt that they just haven't dealt with for whatever reason, Um, trauma, things Mm -hmm. that have happened, you know, throughout their lives. And, you know, it's okay for you to now say, you know, I'm a a grandparent at this point, but I'm going to go and take some time and, and take care of me. Right. And, you know, and get help. And so, that would be something that, you know, I hope that this episode and just, you know, um, the work that you're doing and the work that we do, that it would at least help someone understand yes. that, yes. that it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. and that this is a good thing that you would do for you and for those you love too. Right. So, yeah, it, it is important. As I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how can we advertise and how can we put it out there more? Do we need commercials on it do we need blogs you know on social media do it need to be on church bulletins and church announcements and what i'm saying is about counseling you know right uh, i definitely think it needs to be in the in the church i think social media at least from what i've seen i see a lot of positive um talk and discussion and um people or maybe those are just like the people that i follow because i I try to follow like positive people and you know things like that, but I see it a lot. I think that people have an awareness a little bit if you are on social media, but that also depends on who you follow. But where do you go? It's the thing. People may know about counseling, they may know about therapists, mm-hmm. but you know where, who can I call? What right. what can I do? I don't. I think that maybe because there's many therapists, there's many mm-hmm. counselors, there's mm-hmm. different types. Well, you always say you should kind of date. Yeah, you got to right. find, because just because you had one bad experience, mm-hmm. uh, and right. you can tie into that, yes. uh, just because you had one bad experience or that therapist or counselor Wasn't a fit didn't for you. work for you mm-hmm. or you right. didn't jab, that does not mean, right. don't put them all in the same box. Exactly. You, you, you'll be surprised. Do you agree to that? I do, totally. Because people will do that. 
Um, I have had some, you know, in the past. Well, it took me a couple of years to come back to therapy because I had a bad experience. Right. Right. So, yeah. I so, yeah. So, how can our listeners get to you? How can they, if they need help or thought that they like this podcast, they they liked your energy and mm-hmm. like, okay, let me see. Let me, let me try her. What is the best way they contact you? Um, well, I do have a website. Um, it is andersonclinical.net is um, my website. And then I do have a business phone number um, that I can give you guys too. And that is Go call or text. Um, it's 708-295-3502. So either one of yeah. those ways. Perfect. And uh, I know you, you said earlier you do insurance, but you also do FIFA service as well, correct? I do. Um, I'm in network with several insurances. Um, the ones I will highlight, I'm actually in network with Medicaid and Medicare. Um, so those ones, um, a lot of private places are not right. in network with mm-hmm. either one of those. So I do have those in network. Um, and so and what a- and what it's a lot of people, they don't even need to worry about all that first. Right. They need to just yes. contact you yes. and you will walk them through, help them and get them what they need. So yes. don't be sitting there looking at your insurance card, trying to figure out if I can, <laughs> if I can. Right. Don't worry right. about if you got a copayment, what the copayment is, exactly. can I afford the copayment? Yep. Uh, Betsy will well. work with you. Yeah, yep. she will get you through. I will, I will. Good. Any last things would you like to say to our listeners uh, before we um, depart? Just um, mental health is really important. It's as important as your physical health. And you really need to take care of your mental health because it can affect your physical health. Um, True. So I would say that that, you know, is a huge thing. Because people will go to the doctor, you know, anytime that they feel sick. But, you know, going to counseling, going to seek, you know, mental health is seems like it's different, but it's really not. That is a powerful statement. That is so true. So what we want people to do is go live that life now. Well, that wraps up another episode. Thank you for being about that life, that transformed, healed, affirmed, triumphant life. Go win and meet us here next week for another episode. Live that life now. But no matter what, but you just keep winning. Just keep winning. Just keep winning. 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 To every winner, every champion, every overcomer. Are you a corporation in need of coaching and training? A church or nonprofit that's seeking speakers, coaching, or training services? Conference organizer in need of a keynote speaker? Or a couple seeking relationship, premarital, or marital counseling or coaching? Great. Great. You You are are part part of our our C factor. factor. That Life is a faith-based firm that provides speaking, coaching, training, and consultant services. Are you ready to be about that life? That Life specializes in helping individuals and organizations create transformational shifts that help them transition from caterpillars to beautiful butterflies. And we're looking to connect with decision makers who are booking upcoming retreats, conferences, or trainings. 
We are also available for group or one-on-one coaching and consultant services. Please contact us for a free consultation at livethatlifenow at gmail.com. And remember to live live that that life life now. now.